Hi, I'm Holiday Kirk, and thank you for listening to the New Metal Agenda podcast. If you want to help further expand the New Metal Agenda, check us out on patreon.com slash newmetal underscore agenda. Membership perks include ad-free episodes, Patreon-exclusive podcasts, the ability to submit questions for guests ahead of time, free merch, and more. Thanks and enjoy the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, people who don't give a fuck, I'm Holiday Kirk. Welcome to the New Metal Agenda. With me today are my co-hosts, Riviera. Hey. Double Z. I finally have a good car. Double Z is extremely excited. I am, yeah, because I finally got a cool fucking car instead of my Rust Bucket 4Runner. Tell them. Tell them about it. 2001 IS, Jay-Z2, naturally aspirated. Uh, mm. Not putting a turbo on there because I like the sound of it, keeping the stock mm. headers. Mm. Going to get a quieter uh, than average racing exhaust but still one where you can hear the engine sing just don't want to hear it scream mm. it's pretty sick it's mm. an 01 Happy you know what thing. my take on this was it's blue wow yeah, it is it fucking rocks which it does rock so and then i thought about it and i was like oh my god this is so girl my reaction you're right though that was a big deciding factor in it it's like this one's blue i found another one that was silver and the one i was trying before trying to buy before was green the green one looked pretty good but this one looks fucking sick my reaction was I lost my hauling buddy. I no longer have a friend that has a truck that can haul things, so I need to make a new hauling friend. We all need at least one hauling friend. Well, and, uh, I still have the Forerunner for like another. Never week. mind. We're so, so so yeah. I'm so I just need to come up with whatever it is. Whatever it is, I need hauled. I need to think of it now. I need to hurry yeah. up. Speak now, forever hold your peace. Just like we, a bad marriage. Have we really not ever re- reviewed Hybrid Theory? We did. It was a very <laughs> early did. episode. Yeah. Really? Was it on the podcast at that point? No, because then when he added me, I was like, oh, but I have so many thoughts about this and you've already done it. No, asshole. we're doing it again. Well, we could do it again. Because I have an increasingly, I have a more specific set of thoughts about this record, which is that it's bad, which is that. Wait, I, I think that, I know no, you're it's baiting, not, but it's not. It's not it. The my my question about this record I don't remember why this came to mind, but I guess I'm always kind of thinking about this, is that the impact this had on rock, for one, it saved rock music in so many ways, and then it also killed rock music. No, and it you know what? I disagree I just, strongly. You disagree? I disagree strongly. I think another popular record from this era killed rock music, not the, not Hyper Theory. It's fine. I think that's fair. Um, to just, this is very... You could argue that Bitable. it might have killed metal in the mainstream, but I don't metal? think it killed rock in the mainstream. Maybe you just know metal. What? By, that's a, that's a I good... love this album. I love Lincoln Park, but it did kind of wussify metal a little bit. You know what? That is actually a better narrowing of the scope there by saying it ruined it ruined metal music. Because here's my my so hybrid theory should go over like some of the basics of this one. I don't have them pulled up in front of me though. Hold on. Did you guys see that YouTube is is throttling your computer if you're using an ad block on their website yeah i, so, I, I noticed it was doing that i fucking noticed so here's yeah, the thing people are i saying. thought my computer was broken people are saying it doesn't happen if you use uBlock origin which i never got around installing i know it's just one click it's an extension but i digress it's just ad block if you're using any other ad blocker it should be all right i'm gonna say something controversial doesn't YouTube have a right to advertise to us are they not providing one of the most spectacular yes. services in human yes. history but, okay, so but they cannot be fucking with people's hardware because for some people that have like setups that might already be doing other processes, that could really damage a CPU if they're throttling it when other work is happening. 
people don't normally just watch a YouTube video if they're watching on their desktop. They're usually doing something else. Like if I have one monitor with YouTube and another monitor playing an intensive game like Battlefield 2042 and that shit throttles. I mean, that's yeah, it's crashing problem. my game, which sucks. But I'm more worried about my CPU overheating because I'm playing a fucking CPU intense game. Yeah. Well, so, so there's that angle of it. But like to the actual ideological point. Yes, except that Google also owns the largest ad market and also yeah. owns like all of search. So no, but not in the sense that there shouldn't be any ads on a service like that, but just the way in which Google like dominates advertising is an unreasonable monopoly yes. and shouldn't be allowed to exist. You are correct. It's super weird. The other thing that kind of fucks with me with YouTube ads though is I don't want that's like how a lot of creators make money and i when people use adblock like i pay for youtube premium and they're still fucking throttling me fuck you google but like when uh people use adblock and don't pay for premium the people you're watching are not getting paid by your viewers like right, google knows you're watching when you're using aren't adblock. necessarily getting people you're watching aren't necessarily getting paid even if you aren't using adblock and they are showing ads like i know there's a lot of this very righteous here. stance on like people get very righteous about the right to use ad block on YouTube. And then I'm thinking like, we used to have to watch 60 seconds of ads to watch whatever the hell rerun we were being served on television. YouTube is providing, YouTube is providing one of the most spectacular and unbelievably unbelievable services in history. And we're like upset about having to watch two ads on it. Yeah. It's weird. Well, I think, okay. um, I, I mean, think my they're... stance on ads is a bit odd to you because I'm used to watching sports where like you sit there for three hours and two and a half of those hours are just commercials. So what's really funny now is actually that since we are getting paid to some degree off ads on our website, I'm also like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, fuck ad block. Fuck <laughs> these freeloading losers. How dare they? How dare but the thing about ad block is... like the freeloading at the freeloading loser is is the Google corporation who has destroyed yeah. the internet to the point where that is the only viable way to make money off of this is also this like, is online also online media and also like having you know melted my brain spending two and a half years studying like propaganda and advertising and and that like what I I don't know how it works in the modern era like my stance is firmly that advertisement as it exists today is domestic terrorism I agree. Um, and the other thing that's that, like yeah. makes me pro ad block is a lot of websites use advertising in a very malicious way. Like if you're trying to find information on something on the broken search engine. Like, I live Google. in a state that has legalized sports betting. Hybrid theory released on October 24th, 2000. Very, very slow burn success. It wound up peaking at number two on the album charts uh, after debuting. I actually want to look that up too. Cause I remember it coming in uh, pretty low. I mean, it was a build. I think that here we go. It debuted at 16 and sold 50,000 copies in its first week. And I mean, it was selling like by early 2002, it was selling 100,000 copies a week every single week. This album was just a monster. First single, one step closer. When your last single, listen, I'm th when, to my opinion, when your last single, the last single you release off your album is the highest charting, most popular single, like you are fucking out of here forever. And uh, their fourth single off this record was In the End. So it was preceded by One Step Closer, Crawling, and Paper Cuts. Just crazy. Um, so Hybrid Theory, unbelievable success. 30 million copies sold worldwide. 12 million out here in the States. I've owned a copy. Who here has owned a physical copy of this album or owns one now? Yeah, you own I, I bought it at least twice. Um, first CD I ever bought. 
Riv, it was the first CD you ever bought. It was I know that holds almost people. the first CD I ever bought, but I bought some 41 Underclass Hero instead. I bought Sounds Hybrid like Theory and Fallen on a two for one special Ooh. at FYE in like good 2009. That's cool. a good, uh, thing I did for like years. Yeah, I like a good way to spend an hour and a half those albums back to back. Fuck, 2009, late. Um, oh, yeah, no, I, I have always been late to everything. Yeah, I bought um, Underclass Hero probably around there, around 08, 09. I just, re- so I, I remembered, I just remembered why I suddenly became reinvested in this idea that this album killed off. And I'm going to go with Heavy Metal. That's better than saying rock. But it had a pretty deleterious effect on, I think, the industry as a whole. So the album itself, masterpiece. Um, and the here's why, I, here's why I think it's it had a net negative effect on rock as a whole. So specifically with New Metal, right? Uh, someone had pointed out, I'd posted the John Otto take him to the Matthews Bridge clip. Someone pointed out that new metal always had a history of really great drummers. And I thought to myself, like, this is a point I've made a bunch of times where it's like drum, you know, new metal is all about groove. It was all about having someone that could lay down a really crazy groove. And then you could do almost anything you wanted on top of that. It was like, if your drummer was really tight and your bassist was really tight, you had a, you had a great new metal band. Like that was, you were 56% of the way there. And then I thought about it and I was like, well, you know, who doesn't have a very good drummer or necess- not necessarily not a very good drummer. Actually, kind of by his own admission, he's not very a good boring drummer. drummer. Is what I would say. I, I mean, say particularly on hybrid theory. Lincoln Park, Lincoln Park has a not, but had, oh, God, Lincoln Park had as a not particularly good drummer in uh, Rob Borden, who all across this album just the most basic four on the four you know one two three four type beats this was i know this because i learned a lot of these songs on drums when i was a kid and these were the easiest songs yeah you could learn on drums no no fuck a double kick there is no double kick i don't even know if there's any 16th notes on this album i mean so bad he could definitely keep rhythm just well he's not exceptional well so like in we watched the um the like documentary thing that came out with the 20th uh meteora thing i think that was what that was right it wasn't a hybrid theory one I was and he's already like, yeah, about to I... bring this up i'm sorry no no no. go ahead do you, you want to do, do it i would rather you do it okay you talk more than us let her go have some time to song. yeah stop silencing women's voices um but no i mean he talks he talks very openly and and in a lot of it about how he like touring was like drumming boot camp like he sat his ass down and practiced and like learned how to do things and right. it, it does make some of the interview comments i mean from touring after this and and like from meteora where the other members of the band are like yeah we're so proud of him like he was killing it on the drums he was doing something odd, like he was doing so well and you look at what he's actually drumming and you're like where's this coming from but it's because he worked for it and and i do well, really meteora, appreciate that meteora gets a little better but it's very much like year two of drum lessons as opposed to year one and i want to but i want to be clear here uh, the 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 conclusion I might not I I wouldn't want to come to is that Rob is a bad drummer. What I would say though, when I was talking about the groove based, you know, the strength of new metal being groove based, I realized that actually stops here because Hybrid Theory does not groove. These songs were not jammed. These songs were were organized by Mike Shinoda in a studio somewhere, really like gridded out. And it's a songwriter's album. It's a pop songwriter's album. Again, to its substantial benefit. But then the album was such a big deal that everyone had to reroute themselves around this template. So uh, Korn is the best example of that because all of a sudden, David Silvera's drumming got really basic. 
And someone had to point that one out to me. I didn't realize it at the time, but if you listen to like Here to Stay or Thoughtless by Korn, it was just really simple beats. And and then and like his work on like Chi, Korn, and um, of course like Blind are really wild and untrained and all over the place, very idiosyncratic. And then after Hybrid Theory came out, suddenly he's just drumming very straightforward beats. And I think that that I'd was... That- more to David just not giving a shit anymore rather than Lincoln Park ruining that. No, because even Corn themselves, the rest of Corn started writing more standardy type pop songs. Like yeah, their songwriting. Yeah, I mean it left, is like so. it is a real watershed moment. Because I agree to an extent, but I think Corn's a bad example because I think Head and David just stopped caring uh, on those last two they were like, if, a bad example. If were, that is the like the it what what the label's pushing on you, what the industry or genre trend is, and you have stopped caring, you won't push back against it. Not even just that you are simplifying because you're well, lazy, but just you're yeah. simplifying because you're putting less of yourself into it. No, that is no. how we got to you on the other side, after all. Like, they literally deem it right okay. now. So. I literally think that they were like, shit, we've got to stay relevant. And they started writing mm-hmm. songs accordingly. I don't, maybe, you know what, though, fine, fuck it. Maybe I think it is the passion lazy. was just maybe gone. it was easier for them to just write the songs and then, you know, all live in their separate houses and then yeah. come together, just do it than it was to jam them out like they used to. I but... think a better example of a band sanitizing themselves in response to Lincoln Park would be Slipknot. No, see, I was going to bring that up, but Joey Jordison's identity not is not the totally drumming specifically. Intact. I mean, they more did so start overall, they're showering. Yeah, and Volume Three doesn't even have swear words on it. I would say I would. I think I the would swearing thing there. is so overblown. I would get to that later. It's notable say, for the time. I would say that by all hope is gone is when they started to really iron out the wrinkles on their sound, and then they are suddenly drumming. I disagree. What? I, I think all hope is gone is more gritty and more metal than Volume Three. Volume Three feels like they're chasing that pop rock shit that we no. POD were doing. Dude, like fucking psychosocial ended that band. Like we've I've said that a million times, but that yeah, is that the song. The re- have you listened to all of All Hope Is Gone? Because it gets pretty fucking heavy at least once. But I I still have to judge these bands by like the singles, like the stuff they put forward as being the important stuff. And everything you can't lie, you can't deny. Like everything got smoother. If you were like trying to be a, a an active heavy metal band, someone that was punching above their weight class, going for the pop charts, this album was the end of that first wave groove based new metal like it was we were done cuz you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't front on this anymore you're doing diamond you're doing 12 million it's easily the best selling new metal album of all time like you you just everyone has to just suddenly shape up and start flying in this direction and then when i think about it after there like my my thoughts of like the next sort of waves of linkin park influence come on bands like Muse, Imagine Dragons, Bring Me the Horizon. And these are bands that are really template-based. Like, these bands are, their songs are crazy predictable. And, you know, they're integrating the electronic elements. They're integrating some rap, some hip-hop stuff. But you're still following really set templates, really surprise-free songwriting. Can you really attribute that to hybrid theory, though, and not Thousand Suns? I think you can. Because a Here's, lot of those bands started really doing that shit in the 2010s after Thousand Suns came out. Well, you're still following that thread. You can't say 
Thousand yeah. Suns has no connection to Hybrid no, Theory. I know it's the same band. I know Hybrid Theory led to a Thousand Suns in one way or another, but I think this record didn't really give us shit like Imagine Dragons. I think it more so just gave us a more popified version of heavy metal. There might okay. be something to that, yeah. So, two things. Um, I guess first, I Kirk, I think I do think you're right, and I I think what I was thinking about yesterday is that the reason, or one of the reasons, a multitude of reasons, why this becomes not just like a reflection and a distillation of a genre into something poppy, but like the the true divider, is that with with so many of the the earlier new metal albums, you get this like raw essential earnestness of people who are like not necessarily particularly great at the thing that they are doing, but they are doing it with enough heart that it like blows up and is great anyway. And there's kind of an inexplicable quality to that success. Uh, But then yeah, Lincoln Park comes in and like does a similar thing, but with all that precision, then it's like, Oh, okay. We don't need that part anymore. Right. Like we've we've figured out the mechanism. It's always reminded me of like Swedish the Swedish songwriting team method where you'd have these songwriters literally go to offices or even like Brill building in like the 60s I think where you cuz nobody this is not something people really think about but you could there've always historically there have been songwriters that literally go and clock in at an office somewhere and sit at desks yeah. and go to board meetings and stuff to write songs and I I think that that might come off a little insulting but you know Mike Shinoda Mike Shinoda really combined pop and metal in a way that had was totally unprecedented like you'd think like the black album by Metallica mm. was like a poppy metal album. Are you kidding me? This is fucking way popular. This is, popular pop music. Yeah. This is absolutely pop music. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wouldn't yes. call it. I would. Lincoln Park is metal parentheses in a normal way. What were you saying, I, Z? I think Lip Biscuit did that before Lincoln Park, though. No, definitely. Not no, the I think pop. they. No. I mean, really, not the full pop with Lip Biscuit. Roland no. is not a full nope. pop song. My way no. is not a pop song. Nope. 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 Particularly because at the moment, like rap and hip hop were sep- were so separated from pop. You also got to remember too that like Lincoln Park yeah. were writing these deliberately, these very universal about these very universal things about very identifiable emotions. Like Limp Bizkit weren't necessarily doing that. They were, you know, breathe in, breathe out, hands up, hands down. Like that's yeah, has, but that's it's, universal. That also dance has music. its place. That also has its place in pop music. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Dance shit. But I'm again, I'm telling you that like you didn't have a a, a clean ten tracks. Like you could you could pass this along to any pop singer, and they would come up with they would be able to make this into their own type of album without much trouble. It would be much worse. Like the the elements only work when you combine them in this one format with Bennington as the lead singer and Mike as the rapper, but this is this is just this is really distilled. I mean, to that point, to that point, at my old job, there was this fucking song that would play on the radio every day. It was a somber piano cover by some singer songwriter of In the End. So yeah, like you can easily See, like, convert any one of these with, songs into any that fucking with break genre. stuff. Without no, you can't like do that with joke. any Limp Bizkit song, save for like maybe Boiler or It'll Be Okay, like a ballad. But Linkin Park, you can do it for any song. Well, and so again, though, I, it's like when I talk about this, when I talk about a lot of new metal, actually, it can sound like I'm bissing on it or I'm ragging on it. But I mean, it's not their, it's not like they got together and were like, we're about to fuck up heavy music forever. It's really more like 
it's really more of a heavy music thing where the wrong lessons were learned. And I think that the right lessons, what were the right lessons? Uh, you know what the right lessons were? The right lessons were about having the ability to process all these. Oh, I got it. I just figured it out. Haha. Everyone shut up while I have, while I put these pieces together. The right okay. lessons here were the idea I'm, that I'm quiet you, now. Could, you could take. Um, I'm talking. I'm quiet. You can go. You can go. I'm not talking. You can, you can where you could like take. Silence. I'm just expressing how quiet I am. Keep okay. going. That's opposite of quiet. Um, the, where you could, I'd where disagree. you could. I love you, but you got one more run of this joke before my ADHD just like. It's all right. Rage push on through. It, I had this. two cups of coffee today. I apologize. It's this. It's that when Mike Shinoda really Mike Shinoda and the rest of the band got together to make this, they were like, we are going to combine Aphex Twin, The Roots, Depeche Mode, Alice in Chains, Nirvana, uh, Nirvana uh, Stone Temple Pilots. We're going to combine all these things. And also corn and stained. We're going to combine all this stuff and we're going to make something that sounds like it has always existed. We're going to make something that just immediately hits people and people go, yep, I get it. I'm going to go buy that album right now. Like with no weirdness, no strangeness, nothing. Like you can have this incredible series of influences and impact people in a way that they where they just get it with right away. Um, but then the lesson I think that was most commonly taken in the wake of that success was we need to sound like Linkin Park on hybrid theory. So like, I think that of the bands that tried to knock these guys off and were somewhat successful with it, they did it in a way where they took this sound and reduced it. So like the band trust company, for instance, who had the single downfall and whose debut album did pretty damn well for like, their era of new metal, which was like 2002. So it went gold, did 500,000 copies. Um, a fucking huge failure, even like three years earlier, but I digress. They took the Lincoln Park sound, they removed the rapping, they removed the, tur they removed the turntables, they removed the electronics, they scaled it back to just guitar, you know, C-sharp, drop C-sharp tuning, emotive, universal vocals, screaming, and did well with that. They took it, they made it less, whereas... You know, I, I don't that that's just why that this formula is so irrepeatable unless you are willing to blow it up and try that again. I can't think of I really can't think of any bands that learned the right lessons from this record. Well, I can think of one. Go ahead, Riff. Something that I, I'm not sure if this is this might just be totally wrong, but a sense I get of of trends, particularly in heavy music, but I think in music in general that isn't necessarily connected to hybrid theory specifically, but just the passage of time and the segregation of, of um, audiences is that Mike Shinoda and everyone in the band listened to a lot of music, just like liked music very broadly. And it does kind of feel like a marker of a trend away from that, from like the people making heavy music, listen to heavy music. And if they listen to anything else, they're gay. And that like doesn't, make you make interesting art when you have limited your palette so much see but at the same time i feel like people need to, we we actually need to bring some of that clickiness back because now people have melted down into that sort of i listen to everything i'm a very universal we don't really believe in genre 
Well, so I think we couldn't I think hear that at all. Two... You put your mouth so close to the mic, it just came out like. I think there are two things, which is that there's less individual identity because you don't have people who are listening to a very broad range of influences and synthesizing it into something personal. They are looking at boxes and saying, you know, how can I do, how can I do my pop song? How can I do my song in the style of this? How can I do my, I don't know. I can't think, I kept trying to come up with like cores, uh, but I, it's escaped me. Um, there's like a whole series of YouTube videos that I found compelling for like the opposite reason of this guy who is like making up fake genres and then writing a song that sounds like what the genre would be. And that's kind of everything now. But I think that is distinct from not listening to a lot of music. Well, I just watched this documentary on the band Chimera, which is uh, another new metal band that were signed to Roadrunner. And in the documentary, Roadrunner's pressuring them to put a song on their album with more like singing elements on it, more of a catchy elements. And they are just like fucking so pissed about having to do that. They're so pissed off about having to do that. And they're, they're, you know, they're really resistant to that idea. And now I was, and it's like one, that's one of the, if it's the song I'm thinking of, it's one of the better songs on that record. So I'm glad they didn't do that. But I think that that internal tension can produce really good music as opposed to the opposite where you're just like, yeah, okay, we'll do it. Sure. Sounds good. We do everything. We love everything. It's like, and I get it. Musicians yeah. can't afford to be prickly anymore. They can't like afford to push back or their limited stream of income and lifestyle goes away. But I really but yeah, think like that, to have enough artistic integrity to push back yeah, against something. I think like that to we, be actually make a strong choice. I think that in the wake of hybrid theory and this sort of like flattening out of genre, we have lost something by not having that sense of competition. I mean, the competition competition's what made new metal in the first place was the idea that we could beat rap music at their own game. You know, we uh. can't totally what that was totally not like not like not like is uh, that what corn was doing though is that what deftones yeah. was doing is but that not what like, listen, was doing listen though not in a in, not in a of malicious way not in a no fuck I, I understand what you're trying way. to say but literally I, I in a i just don't think it's fair to say that new metal arose from like this from purely from hip-hop i think new metal was just a natural conclusion that would happen when guys trying to make grunge or trying to make metal grew up listening to like r&b or funk or all this other eclectic shit that you don't really hear in metal same i think it's just either way same outcome either way you got in a garage with your friends and you're like man rap and funk are huge we should try to we should try to work that into metal like going in that direction instead of the other way around where you're like we should try to be rappers try to saying to yourself like we make metal and we make we make metal music rap is rap is really inspiring funk is really inspiring right now let's bring those into our genre that's 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 gr taking up the challenge that's what that is and now it's like it's like yeah it's just it's just a big puddle everyone's just in that big puddle together and everyone ma everyone makes rock and everyone makes rap and everyone makes and you makes a fucking dance music and everyone makes yeah. hyper pop and it's all well and also it's like you know if it has a guitar in it it's rock music yeah oh and then or metal even yeah. if if you're queer then it's hyper pop though yeah. um good point i I have so the other thoughts about the genre label of hyperpop. pop but. the other problem though with with hybrid theory and the other reason that hybrid theory was just had a very poor bad impact on heavy music at large was that it was perfect it was a perfect album you can't do this better 
you're you're done. And it, it, that is not true about significant other. That is not true about fall of leader. That was not true about any new metal album that came before it. It's not true about most albums ever made. This album is perfect. And I don't even mean that it's perfect in the sense that it's like the greatest album of all time. It's just there's, there's a not... sound. There is a, we know that, but it's no, like I'm, there's. I'm just trying to say it. it's like a very technically lab created like synthesis of everything that an album needs to be successful. I think lab created. But when I say, well, when we say lab created, though, it's not like there was like a team of, you know, like it was like one guy. It was Mike Shinoda. Yeah, it was Mike Shinoda it out, doing broke it. as fuck. Like, you know, this band didn't come from. Well, I mean, OK, Brad worked. I mean, they got at, signed uh, before they released anything. So Brad worked. Brad worked for their. uh For like a uh, Jeff Blue was like Jeff Blue's intern or assistant or something. And Jeff Blue was an A&R. Yeah, something at, like that. Jeff Blue was an A&R at a record label. I don't think it was Warner Brothers, but Jeff Blue was was a, a pretty powerful dude at some record label. But that's fine. It was still them writing the damn songs. So. Yeah. So they, in my opinion, kind of are industry Mike, plants. But Mike, honestly, if you're listening, plants. Mike, if you're listening, we don't think you're industry plants. I don't fucking think you're industry plant. If you hit I me think up he about got planted. this, I don't think that was his goal. If you hit me up about <laughs> this, we'll fire him. No problem. So sorry, Mike. You can't do I the boy band in his shit. lap. I'm you not saying that's what the boy. Said you can't do the boy band shit with Mike. Mike will fuck you up about the boy band shit. You never... also like Mike. Mike is a real like art kid. Like that's, what that's I mean. like, the type of guy he is. He's not a in a way that is dude. distinct. He wasn't trying to he's make Lincoln Park to be like a be like this pop success to make money. I think he really cared about the art he was creating. Oh yeah, definitely. But he took definitely. advantage of a lot of opportunities to just immediately out the fucking gate within like a year or two or maybe even less than that actually of Lincoln Park being formed. Suddenly they're on the charts. Like I think he used a lot of Brad's connections there to his advantage. Right, that, but I also but the thing is, is it's like none of that explains how big they were and what does explain how big they were is that the music is incredibly good like you don't need you do not need an explainer to understand why paper cut is a good song like well, you just yeah it, it the music's not generic it's just very distilled yes distilled is a good thing i did think yeah. about that real quick distilled is a compliment Distilled is a compliment yeah and i also think that being willing to use the resources that you have in this case industry connections and like the studio that you have like yeah, using as well that? and being willing to that. use them is not a bad thing you can't and they that. i mean they were super savvy with that i mean in the same way they were with using the internet very early necessarily saying it's bad i i just think it's worth pointing out that their rise to fame wasn't 100 percent organic oh wait well but is it not organic to say i have been given this opportunity and so i will take it inorganic would be like jeff blue going damn we need a new metal band Oh, you know what's funny That's though? Kind is of that Jeff Blue, did, though. You know what? The, you know what's funny hard. though is that Jeff Blue did literally place Chester Bennington in the band. So Je uh -huh. Jeff Blue, the, this powerful A and R, was like, "Your singer sucks. I know a mm -hmm. guy. I'm gonna put him in the band." So that's the thing though is that I always thought it was funny. Is this something I would actually talk to Mike about? Because if Mike ever came on the show instead of his usual fucking softball ass interviews, where they're like, "Man, what what are you up to these days?" Like, I would love to challenge him on some of these some of these things but i'm saying like it's like i would never fault the band for any of this i just think it's very interesting how and they came to be to be clear i'm not trying to fault them or attack them but like no, you can't I know, deny all these corporate handshake deals that happened to push them yeah. out the gate you're just pointing it out swinging i mean right, literally, but I, it's but, like literally this, it's not a you specific thing it's just a like how the shape of the conversation goes but i think like 
the willingness to shoot yourself in the foot or like the the valorization of shooting yourself in the foot i guess is also like not great for music right like if you are if you are trying to put out an album believe in the album stand behind it work to make it successful and some of that work is networking and talking to people i think about this a lot actually this is a weird connection it's a me connection but in the way that lincoln park when you see backstage footage of them or like them on tour they are so polite to their like stagehands and wardrobe people they shower they're clean they clean up their dressing rooms and they work very professionally because that's what you have to do i mean that's yeah 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 yeah. that's something that we spoke about on the on probably on the first hybrid theory episode of this that we did which was that they also pioneered the fact that as a musician you need to be a fucking pro Whereas, like, you had Guns N' Roses and Metallica and Van Halen, like, annihilating their dressing rooms, treating people like shit, beating up women here and there, like, Linkin Park. It's hold actually, on, hold it's, on, hold on, hold on. Who are you speaking about when you say beating up women? Because you just named three bands. Didn't that are Axel Rose, I'm, I feel like Axel Rose slapped a woman around a little at some point, right? I'm like, not sure. You, we'll just slap an legend on there so we don't get in trouble. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to think of someone that definitely did so I can throw their name in so I can all I'm saying is you can't say Metallica and then a criminal allegation right after them or else that's how we get Lars's lawyers knocking at your door right, it was an back. era of bad behavior right yes. people yes. in for general a, for a very long time it was totally expected that as a rock star you could do what you want and you could fuck around and you would be lionized for that it was cool it was awesome it was legendary that's how that's how anthony kiedis ends up writing about having sex with like a 14 year old in his book because there was a time not even that long ago there's a time where it was like hell yeah like that was badass that was awesome it's seriously hold on seriously. what now no i no i hold know on, what hold on, i don't remember was that. she 14 or 16 or something i think she was 16 it doesn't really make it better Dude, yeah. that used to be fine. Bands would write whole songs about it. I was like, I'm fucked. No, I know. Like year old. Ted Nugent and Motorhead and all these fucking 70s bands did like all sorts of songs about fucking high schoolers. But and you know what? Mike Anthony Kiedis, though. I'm gonna say 90s this. shit. It is to Lincoln Park's subs- it is to Lincoln Park's substantial yeah. benefit that they were the beginning of the end of that shit. Because it was like I think that like they put they set the trend. Where it was like you will be better off at this point now, acting your age and not being a total dickhead. And uh, you know what else? I'm gonna give them a lot of credit for. I'm feel really blessed that this was my childhood favorite band because they are one of the most uncancelable bands ever. Yeah, they Their are very spotless. So true. This is yeah. another band where if somebody came up on Twitter and something and was like Mike Shinoda, uh, abused his groupie girlfriend on their first tour i'd be like you're a fucking liar <laughs> like, yeah i, I straight up wouldn't yeah. at all <laughs> i've like, decided I'm that inclined... i no longer believe all victims you're a liar yeah exactly. <laughs> like, there's no way I, i'm always inclined to believe someone that's coming out with a story that's generally hard to share about trauma but with mike shinoda i just can't see it happening no if they were like honest. if they were like mr han slapped me backstage at their show at the Fillmore and San Francisco, I'd be like, no, he didn't. <laughs> that didn't if he happen. did, it's because he scratched you hard and his hand flew off the turntable. Yeah, he was total accident. To, he was total accident. So so I bless that. So thank you so much for them. Like those all my faves are so non-problematic. Radiohead and Lincoln Park and stuff. That's why I'm so glad I grew up listening to Marilyn Manson. No problems at all. Poor Z. It's a hard knock life for that double man. It's hard knock life for double, what isn't it? You still have the bumper. You don't. Oh, I guess you don't need the bumper sticker. Did you move the bumper sticker to the new car? You're I guess like, we can publicly talk about this now that I don't have a car. So uh, funny story and 
I apologize. This is down to me being lazy. Uh, I bought Every a Marilyn Manson bumper sticker and slapped it on my fucking truck uh, like a day before the first news story about Evan Rachel Wood nice. came out. And like literally I was reading it and I looked at my truck and I was like, fuck, I got to take the sticker off. And then like I, I just never did. But then rust started forming under the sticker. So Mother Nature kind of took care of that for me. He just had that thing on there for so long. Um, but uh, hold on, let's let's not get too bogged down on that one. But you know, it's just like, can anyone? That does here, make me look bad, but I'll admit it. I'm sorry. <laughs> can anyone here actually think of like a Lincoln Park uh, inspired band that like was super not- successful? Yeah, I can actually. One that did a hybrid theory, or more accurately, a Meteora style record a decade after it came out, and it was very commercially successful, but it sucks fucking shit and that is hollywood undead american tragedy and those from the underground two records back to back that were total lincoln park ripoffs and they are dog shit i don't know for a lot of people in my demographic that's how that's one of the ways a lot of people i know got the new metal because they were the shit if you were 14 at that time okay i do agree they were the shit if you were 14 but um i've decided now they're just shit and i've never heard those albums i've heard their first album terrible but oh dude on them do not judge Swan the rest of the band is, based off well, that. Okay. That album is a different I, kind of pattern. Okay, but never you mind then. Swan Songs is the one that I like, um, which is the wrong choice. I understand. Hold on, where are they? I have like all three of them here somewhere. Oh, oh my god. god, it's it's fine. It's fine. R.I.P. to like a couple very specific Naruto AMVs that have since been deleted that were very formative. Uh, oh good, it's blurring them case. out. I like that it's blurring. Yeah, them out. Zoom is. Uh, there Zoom we go. Is blurring them out. Zoom's doing you a favor. Look at those. Arms reach. He's got him right there. You never know. Well, my bookshelf is right behind me. So, and they were at the, uh, they were on the side, not neatly organized because they're in the crap pile. Yeah. I don't know. I also, I feel like Hollywood Undead is not, they're not quite, they're not quite trying to do Linkin Park sound. It's definitely in there. Have you heard this album? Have you listened to this album? No, I mean, not in a long time. This is just a straight up Linkin Park copycat album. Like, no, no fucking if, ands, or buts about it. This is just straight up them trying to do Linkin Park, but instead of rapping about wanting to run away and breaking the habit, How it's much about they should like be doing to weed and chloroforming groupies. Wow. Yeah, there's like three songs where Charlie Sane references raping a groupie. And on the first record, there's a song where he just straight up uses the line, You're 17 and I'm a pedophile. <laughs> you, I, I've got to keep all that in mind because people will come at me and defend that band and it's always like, really? Don't defend Hollywood and Dead. You sure about that? I, I love know, ironically man. listening to them because it is hilariously bad. Do not defend them. Yeah, they... I don't know. I have complicated feelings about them. I feel like for they me... They were my favorite like, band in the world when I was 14. But, oh uh, my god. So Lincoln bad. Park is just a tough... Are men okay? Park. No, we're not. Lincoln Park is just a toughie. It's a tough. It's a tough. Yeah, I I feel like it's a it's a really tough record to improve upon. And I also do think there are bands, more recent bands. So you know what's funny is we were talking about like bands that were had a positive that Lincoln Park had a positive influence on doing Park. Well, fucking Cheem does really good. That's so true. Really good next Lincoln Park. Absolutely. Not one because they have a Shinoda, Bennington style Mm -hmm. band with a rapper singer. But also because they combine a lot of different elements like new metal and J J rock and hyper pop and emo, and they make it work in a way where you're like, oh yeah, 
Yeah, of course. They wear it on their sleeve too. They're not embarrassed about any oh. of it whatsoever, which I respect the hell out of. They're just but like, fuck yeah, we listen to all this random shit, and yeah, we're doing it all together. But they do it. They present it in a way where you're like, yeah, okay. You're not you're not taken aback by anything. Like a lot of bands, I think that like now that have a big set of influences like that, they always try to compensate with like volume or distortion or just knowingly shitty production. But all of their stuff is just crystal clean, and it hits you in a way where you're like, yep. I get this. This is great. This is catchy. This is melodic. I can sing along to it. So there you go. I can't wait to let them know. <laughs> I've already said that. I've said that to, about them a million times. Mm-hmm. So I don't need to say it again. But yeah, they're a band that probably integrates their influences really, really well. Um, I'm looking at this list, though. They, Wikipedia has a helpful list of, of bands that um, claim Lincoln Park is big influences and what a murderer's row of shit. <laughs> Let's hear this. Of Mice and Men. Oh God! Oh, I thought we'd, they'd have a defender in there. I actually felt bad. No, just fuck them. no. I know people like them. Kevin Rudolph, Black Bear, Silento. You know the Watch Me Whip Nene guy currently imprisoned. The Devil Wears Prada. Three o three. Oh God. Three. Okay. Z, you can't say a damn word about 303 after what you just said about Hollywood Bro, Undead. You are retired. That's, That's all shit. That Hollywood Undead sucks. Lots, I can't insult is a good album. Machine Gun Kelly. Um, very popular on our parts. We all love Machine Gun Kelly in this house. All of us, right, guys? All right, Kirk? Jay. Dear God. Um, can't say I like all Jay. So there's all someone right. here, though. There's someone here, though, that are good. Billie Eilish is great, obviously. Uh, the Weeknd is... The weekend is oversaturated, but mostly for the most part, I'd say pretty. I liked the weekend before I had to hear "Save Your Tears" literally three times a day everywhere I went. (laughs) Oh, at at your grocery store? Yeah, my fucking gym. Not anymore. They they my gym has weird like eras where it gets really into stuff and out of it. My gym is like a real person. It feels like there's one teenager that picks all the music in my gym because it went from playing like exclusively the weekend and Steve Aoki to playing like paralyzer by finger 11 and one week by uh bare naked ladies oh okay. now it plays like i got excited for a second spanish like reggaeton uh, hey hell yeah type music it's great i'm i'm super Fuck into yeah. this era we need to stay at this era and none of it the thing is is like none of it really matters to me because i if my headphones die, I will just leave the gym. The workout is officially over. There's no way. But just looking at the screen and seeing one week by the bare naked ladies, knowing that like most of the other people in the gym were listening to it's been while they're like bench pressing and stuff made me so fucking mad. Like I would be so frustrated just knowing that that was happening in the air around me. But they played they played the weekend nonstop. That was like the the era when I got there. So weird. I think the moment that I turned around on liking the weekend was when I went to go get gas. And when I started pumping, the little screen that plays commercials came on and it immediately started playing the chorus of Save Your Tears for another day. He's like, yeah, he's like too big. He's like too big now. I was like, all right, fuck this. But hold on. So obviously there's a band, a very predictable band on here, um, which is Bring Me to the Horizon. And, you know, I feel like I, I have so much to say about them. I we pretty do consistently talk, talk a lot of shit about them, but like they're not that bad. They're not that so bad. They, they were good, then they were bad, then they were good again for a moment, now they're bad again. I thought that I heard that new song today. I was like, hey, all right. It felt like a good course I correct to me. To it's the definitely new, new metal. It's definitely new metal. I will check um, it out. So I appreciated that. It has a go. That's why it got sent to me. It's because I was talking about new metal songs with go breakdowns in them and it has a go breakdown. It's a pretty good go breakdown. 
So maybe I was wrong about them. I should put that on our playlist. Um, Their crowds are. See, are you are you a sympaternal hater? No, I'm a sympaternal lover. Okay, good. Like that's Um, one of my favorite. I mean, that's like it's such a it's such an age dependent thing. I've found. I like. I was 14 when that record dropped. It it changed me. (laughs) Where are my Amo defenders? Amo Amo. If you like the record Amo, kill yourself. I mean, it hit at the wrong time. Just tell me to kill myself. Oh. oh, do you actually like that album? I like Amo, yeah. All right, you're exempt from the instruction. Jeez, I thought, I thought that was pretty good. You people to kill themselves. You it's can. fun. You can. You got to say Krill. I think that's funnier. But um, yeah, I like that album. I thought that was a decent album of theirs. And um, they're a band that wears their Lincoln, they really wears their Lincoln Park influences on their sleeve. They performed at the concert for Chester Bennington. They, um, they had a so song did, um, on, on so their- So did Machine uh, Gun Kelly, actually. Yeah, well, we can't, and, we can't win them all. And here's what I'll say, though, is that like it, I was so ready to be mad about it when I watched this, but he like it does a good job and like does seem very. It's like maybe the first time I had seen Machine Gun Kelly care about something. He's all right. Which, I don't know. At times. Oh, uh, if you want to see him care about something, you should see his interview about Kylie Jenner when he was an adult and she was a child. Yeah, right. Well, I, really don't I don't think I will see that actually. <laughs> um what was I what was I just thinking about? I'm stupid. Um so I think Bring Me the Horizon's fine. They're 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 definitely one of those bands where it's like whatever age I was when I could have got into them and been obsessed with them, they missed me. They just and then it's like it's over at that point. And they're also I also I think here's what okay. Here's what it is. Here's what I struggle with about Bring Me the Horizon is that they are one of the last heavy bands to achieve a conventional level of success. And as a result, hell yeah, going, I'm doing it, baby. I'm doing it. As a result, they've got the hybrid theory problem where all the bands that follow them that want that success just sound like them. So yeah. like I was just listening to with my girlfriend, I was listening to the new Blind Channel record. You guys know who Blind Channel is? Yes. yes. Right. The Eurovision band. They, they sent us the new record, the unreleased record. And it was like, fuck, this sounds like Bring Me the Horizon. We got like, I got like five tracks in. And I, was, I just turned it off because I was like, all this shit, this all sounds like Bring Me the Horizon. Very same drums, same sort of uh, vocals. All the choruses have that extremely familiar, like the really similar sort of rises and falls. And that's just another big problem where it's like, you got these singular heavy bands where they're at the closest you can get to a Lincoln Park level of success and they suck all the oxygen out of room. And yep. You gotta sound you got like your that. electric callboys, your bad omens, your all sleep those sleep tokens, your um there's another one. Oh sleep token I think is a different a little bit of a different bucket. This they still yesterday are I said yesterday I said that polo. oh I'm not saying they're not commercialized. I'm saying it's a different it's a different commercial image. I, I agree. It doesn't sound like Bring Me the Horizon exactly. Um, yesterday, I said they were the Hamilton of metal in like a, <laughs> but that I meant it in a neutral way, and I do think that that That's I very apt though. Yeah, I mean, it's like a <laughs> a neutral kind of musical theater esque form, bringing in a like outsider influence in order to like make it acceptable to a specific canon rather than starting heavy or starting as rap or starting as like I don't know anything interesting and then bringing it like watering it down that's a perfect analog there because I think their fans and their haters alike will agree with that statement (laughs) I feel like Sleep Token fans really like the musical Hamilton anyway 
the problem with studying and like working in theater is that Hamilton is like very important. Sleep Token fans like Sleep Token, and I'm not sure if they actually like anything else. It's a weird. They like bad omens. Ghost. Oh, that's a good one, actually. Um, Ghost is weird because I've seen them live twice, and their crowd is, as far as like age is concerned, or their fans, it's everyone from like middle schoolers to straight up just like people in wheelchairs and canes. Ghost is weird. To they me, have a weirdly broad appeal. Ghost is weird to me because they are fucking awful. That fucking band is like the Weird Al Yankovic parody of lately. Yeah, metal. They've like, been don't call them simple. I haven't listened to their new shit, but um, their old stuff was very Blue Oyster Cult and like kind of late Aussie, early Dio era Sabbath inspired, and it was pretty good. Like that. That is a band um, where it's like this Eliora, is I think same record. Band. People like the masks, the mythology, the characters. This music. Well, their shows used to be Rash. cool and interesting, but it was more mysterious and less focused on them trying to get a Scooby Doo spinoff ass fucking kiss style deal. They make autism metal. They make they make metal for people who listen to D and D live play podcasts. Also, I disagree about the autism metal thing. Uh, I think all I metal is all autism metal. Well, yeah, but I think Cybergrind is really autistic metal. That's true. That's true. We are, but that's like the autistic autist, we will metal rise. slash positive type. Um, there's another one that I think has some like the I guess the Lincoln Park influence thing is it's almost like if you atomize Lincoln Park and you scatter its different elements into people, it's like here's how you can integrate rapping into metal in a different way. Here's how you can integrate uh, break beats into metal in a different way or drum loops and stuff. It's just I don't know. I, I have a complicated relationship mm. with this album just because it meant so much to me once upon a time. And then I think the second time around when I came back to it, it was from a more academic perspective. And I don't necessarily get the same emotional resonance so I think, as I used to. So I think we can't give Linkin Park credit for the seamless integration of into metal. A lot of like they're I think even they would disagree that they're not like pioneers on that. Yeah, it's like I said earlier, they, they just, just still did perfected it. Yeah. I think you can thank a lot of industrial bands for influencing a lot of like dance and hip hop style beats in like I mean, Linkin Park would cover Nine Inch Nails live. It's very obvious they drew a lot of inspiration from that yeah. genre. And, of course, rap metal had been a thing since the 80s at that point. They just very... You know what? You know what I think Linkin Park did that had not been done yet to that point? I don't know if a metal band, a new metal band, had ever taken rapping that seriously before. Because, like, Shinoda was a very serious, very adamant backpack rapper type dude. And I think that one of the things that I really love about hybrid theory is how easily he integrated internal rhyme schemes and more complicated series of like rhymes in a way where you just where it's like the rest of the fucking album you're like pop just like yeah i've always been doing this yeah. what it meant to me will eventually be a memory of a time like you take that for granted that's like pretty dense Dude, writing. shit yeah that's like that's like a pretty dense writing thing. And, and like Shinoda, again, Shinoda doesn't get a lot of respect as an MC, has never gotten a lot of respect as an MC because again, and He's again, this is good. another this is another one of those things where I don't really know how to say it without sounding insulting. But he you can I think, sound insulting on this one. I don't want to, but he approaches He's not that great of a rapper. Dude, he, he so but here's the thing, right? Fine, it works whatever. for what he does, but he's not that great of a rapper. I whatever. I guess he's not, maybe not, not. But the thing is, is, he approached rapping in the way that a pop songwriter approaches pop music. And you know what? Here's the thing about the rapping stuff and why I do empathize with that. I don't ever want to just say he's not a good rapper because it just hurts me to actually say that at this point. But I've listened to The Rising Tide. Shit is not good. Shit that's is... what I mean. It's when not. He, like, but when I he, think when that's... 
Go ahead, Riff. Well, I think like Mike very much seems like someone who works best in like in collaboration and the yes. I mean the rising tide is uh, oh, I haven't listened to this in so long. I should not be talking out of my ass, but like you should know the show. It, yeah, it's like that when there is less less other influence to like push back against and respond against and and be in conversation with. But it's he doesn't do that. But as once well as, again, as Mike Shinoda's genius is a pop songwriter. Even this yes. Mike Shinoda side project still put a song in the top 10 of the Hot 100. It still had a top 10 pop it. That's crazy. This Yeah, guy, remember the name I was mean, fucking massive and inescapable for like a decade. I mean, wait, what song? Remember the name. That's not even the song. That's, That's not even the good. one. That's you could not escape that song in the 2010s. No, you couldn't. If you watched a lot of ESPN, no, you could not. The song we're talking about is Where'd You Go? Okay, like that. So you're not even talking about the right song. That's how good that fucking guy can write a pop song. And then what's even more mind-blowing to me is that all the way in 2017, bro decided to suit up in his fucking pop superhero jumpsuit once again and put another song on the charts with Heavy all the way, which is like top 50, I think. Fucking nuts. That's fucking insane that he could just yeah. do that. He could just will another song into hit single status whenever he wanted. Like, well, that's ridiculous. Um, Waiting for the End must have charted, right? It's charted somewhere, I'm sure. But even that was like 2010-ish. And, you know, they were still somewhere a more relevant there. band. By 2017, that's Linkin true. Park were a nostalgia act. And then suddenly they weren't. Suddenly they were a contemporary well, pop band hold on. again. Did yeah, like, I think One chart? More Light is a good album. Didn't that song burn it down chart? Pretty think, yeah, that's really good too. That was a, so, a, a rock smash. You heard that every I think Park only had one album where they didn't really hit the charts. It was between whatever that one was The Hunting called. Party. They did hunting The Hunting party. party. That's the only one that didn't chart, I think. And that was a relative. I mean, it definitely charted. This is a band that could Well, yeah, not, but I mean, you could not have any singles that you radio. couldn't escape. It didn't have any pop, real pop breakthroughs. And again, by 2017, you would never have seen it coming. I know you did because yeah. I didn't. I was there. No, no <laughs> like, one did. I didn't realize. But this is this is another one of those reasons why I think it is just an unbelievable tragedy that they got caught up in the new metal revisionism of it being bad and felt like they had to renounce it and move away because Mike was a genius pop songwriter. He still is a genius pop songwriter. And the directions that this band could have took our genre in after Meteora, like it's too painful to even think about. Like we could have... He could have kept us going for another generation just by being the really great pop songwriter that he is. But it was like so like like the fucking tragedy of Linkin Park was that once it became like new metal's no good, they felt this intense pressure to exercise the metal, the rapping, the turntables, like all these things that suddenly became so urgent to sideline all that. And that's what Mike was so good at infusing. It's like now the you know, one of the his legs has been kicked out from under his arms been sawed off and he's got a right pop songs without those things it's fucked up it's fucked up we this is a it's a generational tragedy that these guys felt like they couldn't be new metal anymore i'm emotional even talking about it i'm getting a little emotional no, I, over here i understand yeah fucking no, crazy I, I agree i agree because like when i got, i mean when i got into them it was deeply cringe to be into them um in a way I it just, almost always was that's probably is true but, but that's why they're so good but i wasn't there um but it was really like a, oh you're into this band that's cringe but not even like their new cringe stuff it's also like 
It's like the old cringe. I feel blessed. Cringe. I feel blessed to have gotten into Lincoln Park before I had a conception of what cringe even was. And yeah, being me, a middle school fun. girl on the internet was was rough. I was in elementary school, and to me, this album was like, "This is this is it. I'll never need more music. We're done. We're done here. I'm I'm done. There's no other album that could possibly top this." So sometimes I still I, think I know like the feeling that. well. Sometimes I still think like that. So you know, it's like to to sum it up because we're. I'm about tapped out on observations here, but like, it's just, it's just a genius. It's a genius album. It's unbelievably, it's an unbelievably good album, but can we talk for a minute about how fucking amazing with you is? Oh yeah. It's the best song. We can't though, the... because like we're, we're just, oh my God, I'm trying to, this episode's gotta be just a wonderful. really, really large. This is just, I'm just trying to blow this up into a more, a bigger picture. And to me, it's like, I really think hybrid theory is like the period at the end of, the preceding like fucking 50 years of music you know yeah it kind of takes every single style of music that had been going on until then and packages it all up into one album yeah and i mean like it that, is definitely you know, what it is definitely like, the new thesis yeah right like it has it has it was a mission the, statement the for a lot of bands going forward it has it has like become become the new thing and it is i mean it is really interesting because it is a pop album chasing like exactly the edge of how edgy you can be how like heavy you can be in whatever way you understand that doing it perfectly like perfectly embodying that moment but i mean the um oh i guess just in its wake i guess just in its wake you just it was like you could only get smaller you could only break it down from there because you could you could look it back at it and you could be like there was corn and then corn were topped by Limp Biscuit and then Limp Biscuit like who were the other and then Limp Biscuit was topped by Slipknot and then Slipknot was topped by uh, Lincoln Park. Park and then it was just kind of like you just kind of went the other way like yeah Whoa. well so I pulled up uh, physical CD shipments in the United States from 1999 to 2022 and uh, this graph starts at 938.9 million per year and it is a straight 45 degree angle um actually no the first sorry the first two years 2000 it goes up straight 45 degree angle down to 2022 with 33 million of which I think half of were Adele Oh yeah, that's no, not true. That album came out so much late, so much earlier. So, so not only was, was this some sort though. of, so not only was this some sort of like cultural peak, it was a physical peak. It was literally like the most amount of plastic discs being shipped everywhere. Yeah, this actually dropped right before the iPod came out. So, a couple of years, ago, I feel like the iPod came out a little later than it feels like it did. It came out in like oh four, right? You had MP3 iTunes players. iTunes came out yes, like oh four. The iPhone think, was seven. I think the, the iPod was, was like earlier, 01, right? And then iTunes up. was like oh four, like iTunes Store, know. I should say. I'm gonna look it up because I because I, I think the iPod dropped before Apple launched iTunes. There were I know lot. iTunes you was know what? 04, you're, you're bang, you're bang on. You're bang on. It was oh one. You're bang on. Yeah, nailed it. Um, do you did you guys have any MP3 players before you had an iPod? Yeah, man. I had, I had, had this least... one that was also USB drive. Oh, nice. No, I, I had. I'm... A child. I had at least. No, see, two. you're more of a child. Never mind. I had at least two, and it was a hundred. I think it was a hundred and twenty-eight. But I upgraded megabytes. to five hundred and twelve megabyte one. I was yeah. Like, all in. I all did the same in, thing. I did the same exact progression. 
But I think that 128 megabyte one was like 30 songs. And you you go on family vacations and you would consume every section of the songs. Like it was the fucking Buffalo and you were in an Indian in the prairies. Like I listened to Where Is The Love by Will I uh, by Black Eyed Peas featuring Justin Timberlake so many times. So many times you would have to hear these songs because you had nothing else. What were you going to do? Yeah. You had nothing else. So it's interesting experience, but I think that I think that specifically like hybrid theory to me does not strike me as an iTunes album or a streaming album. It's like it's a CD. Yes. It's a CD. It is, yeah, it is like a full in itself album. You it over and over. You look at the back cover, the front cover, you went through the booklet, you you that you consumed that CD. And it's an album that you just memorized like like I'm I am a hundred percent confident. You gave me a notebook, a pen, and a blindfold. I could write out every in silence. I could write every lyric. I could write every lyric to this album. No yeah, hesitation, think, no stopping, no problem. No problem. Every 12 page, 12 pages of loose leaf, we're done. So I guess I should really put that to the test at some point. Um, that'd be, yeah, that'd be funny. So, looping back to the beginning of the show, I, I said that I don't think that this record's responsible for killing rock in the mainstream. I think it's responsible for dramatically changing metal. And I alluded that there is another album I specifically think did kill rock in the mainstream. If I can just uh, bring attention to that for a second. Please. My Chemical Romance, welcome to the Black Parade. Or the Black Parade. Mm. I forgot which one's the single, which one's the album. That album brought a lot of like diversity of sound, like a lot of musical theater influence into like pop punk. But after that, every fucking rock band was just releasing pure pop music. It was barely any edge, barely any sense of like speed or aggression. Not to say that all rock music has to be aggressive, but I think that was the nail in the coffin for more antsy music for at least like a couple unless out on this I, at least I'm not a few years till bring to the horizon kind of brought it back a little bit but i think not both the back grade and the year before uh under the cork tree but fall Out boy kind of did a lot of damage riv you got anything here um counterpoint imagine dragons 2012 album night visions i don't think we would have gotten that album if we didn't have under the cork tree i read sins not tragedies uh riot I mean, and black parade i guess I don't think it's drawing from emo. I'm not. Yeah, I can't get it. I don't it's think it's drawing from that. I think, that, but I think it set the stage for bitch made rock music to be the main thing. Well, I also don't think it's bitch made rock music. I, I think either. that's a fundamental you're misunderstanding solo, you're of the magic. solo on this one. You're going to have to write something up because I, I, I don't see this one. Yeah, I super sorry. Nothing I'll even throw American Idiot in there. You can, well, I mean, the Black Parade comes from American Idiot. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's one to one. But but I don't, I don't think it is. I don't think that's the same string. And the thing I is, think that era of pop punk that, just completely ruined rock the, music. No, but the thing is, is that uh, also like, well, uh, uh, not, it's not even called it's that. The, emo, Black Parade, the Black Parade was extremely Those albums ambitious. are not, you I will fight to the death on that. Those are What's pop not? punk records. The Black Parade is pop punk? Yes. So, you, okay, you can't the only censor, emo sorry. Album An hour and a half in, you can't sports. argue that Paramore, Fall Out Boy, and My Chemical Romance are not emo. Crazy. They are not emo. What we just have to move on. This is wild. Yeah. We're gonna. We're um, gonna no, that's not wild. That's a very no. People will back uh, me up. People will back me up. Those are not fucking emo records. Yeah, people who are sexist usually. Yeah, that's crazy. I've got nothing for Sorry, you. Here. That is not like a specific dig at you. That is a like. 
general trend in that like when girls started liking bands like Paramore, My Chemical Romance and Fall Out Boy, like then they were no longer real emo. Emo was Um, very queer and female prior to those records. They did not set the stage or break literally just have to drop this one cold. Yes. Okay. So anyway, Uh, um, we're getting way out of here with this one. So anyway, Lana Del Rey is born to die. Oh no. The modern equivalent to hyperthene. I I did think that was really funny. It's a shame that's been lost to, to, forces but i thought that was a great observation i do actually think that this is that this is true that these albums fill somewhere we have to put that i know i have oh i have it saved i have i mean i've made this joke a couple times because i I mean i said it as a joke that like born to die is hybrid theory for girls um which is not exactly how i think that this is true but i do genuinely think that these two albums fill the same like cultural niche of like dark edgy pop music in different ways of being dark and edgy but still that is riding exactly that that edge of between the mainstream and like only heavier like only dark only edgy rejected by critics at the time embraced by the public both perfect albums would go on to be to prove very influential like all right all right all right i'm I'm seeing i'm seeing I'm, I'm, i'm i'm getting it I'm getting it. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. I want I want something on my yeah. desk by Friday. Write it up. You thought about writing this up? Have you thought about writing this up? Oh, I have. I have it drafted. Don't even worry. Well, I drafted is a very strong word. I'd love to see. I'd love to read <laughs> I have a it. This, collection of we, unhinged this, notes. I don't know like how far this. I would love to see it. We would. We are the only fucking website that would publish some shit like that. I'd love to. I think that that might be something to pursue because it would really stake our claim somewhere, somewhere out there. Um, but are you ready yeah. to speak the truth about what is and isn't emo? Jesus. Final thoughts though. I mean, great album, hybrid theory, great album, net, net yeah. negative, maybe for heavy music. It's a toughie. It's like complicated legacy. A great album. Complicated legacy is probably a good way to here's, put it. But... Here's, I think what I would say about the net negative thing. Something would have been the last one. It just happened to be this. What one. a note! At least, it, what it, a yeah, note for at it least to be. it was something really, really, really good. It was a really, really good record, and um, and furthermore, I feel like that. Well, you guys feel like the influence was overall positive. No, I know I was. Gonna, I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say it, but because you look Absolutely. at an album yeah. like you look at an album like Nevermind by Nirvana or something, and you're like, yeah, yeah, definitely the good outweighs the bad. But for this one, it's like, did people? I don't know if people really figured, just really took the right lessons away from this. It was they did not tough act to follow. I think I would say definitely not in sound, probably not in sound. Um, it may be a methodology. I do, I do think the like the amount of care that is taken with every part of this album i think was yeah. like probably a good influence you I know think- what maybe the problem with this album the quote unquote problem with this album is is that i think for so much of the history of rock and heavy and metal and stuff you had a sensation that the underground was becoming the overground like the underdogs were winning whereas with hybrid theory it was literally like you're just taking the last 40 years of popular music that's not true that's not fucking true. They took Aphex Twin influence, DJ Shadow influence on this. That's not true. They took ref- a ton of refused influence on this. It's again like I'm being tricked by that same sensation that they yeah. made such expert overground pop music that I really had a moment there where I thought to myself like, "Well, that's all." That's there, why that's I argue all it is. That they're they're a distillation of all those things, not pioneers. 
like refused as another good example maybe of a band a that good, really did pioneer maybe, a lot of this, a lot of this maybe, shit. Right, like they are not avant-garde. Maybe that's a good way of putting it. Maybe it's a good way yeah. of putting it that they, I mean, I've said this before, is that the album's so perfect that it just doesn't have, it doesn't leave room necessarily to come up with the next thing that like the first corn album did you know when you think of debuts and like where to go from a debut it's like really hard to top a debut this perfect but oh my god i'm really i'm this is actually going on longer than i thought it would uh very interesting topic I, I the next time we talk about this it needs to be with mike or one of the other members of the band but i don't know what they do they're like we can ask off, him what he thinks is emo and what isn't emo oh off god, in the no, wilderness off in the wilderness or something you know what was actually sidebar to put a button on this was that like as as a middle school girl with a couple like people that I knew who were into um I think Slipknot and Seether mostly were like the two that I'm thinking of Yikes. was Linkin Park was emo because girls liked it I this is like a that. very formative part of part of my I think that's actually why genre. That is why people call Fall Out Boy and Panic at the Disco emo because girls liked it. It's the same mentality there. I think yeah. the sexism is calling those bands emo, not me thinking that they're dog, that they're dog shit. But they are emo. Like that is they are what not the emo. genre is. Listen to Texas is the Reason, Jay June, uh, Jess Brazil, I'm, I'm so Maria. sorry, Kirk. I really thought that I could do this concisely. Water music. This and... has been all that Kirk with the new metal agenda. Thank you guys. Listen all to so Front much Street, by listening. the way. Front Street's hold on. I actually do want to shout this album out. Reality Check by French Street is a love letter to hybrid theory. It is a Norwegian band just straight up doing hybrid theory, and it's good. Very, very good. The lyrics are extremely awkward because their English is not the best, so they have a song about uh, wage slavery, and they accidentally used a sample from a speech about human trafficking in it. But that was just a translation error, I, I assure you. The album fucks. It's really good. And how Reality great, Check, French Street. great rest of your day.